Hey, I'm, I'm walking funny today. Um, if y'all have noticed, I'm not really, it's not my new strut. Um, uh, it is, um, so, so here's the issue um, among, among many. Um, I, I sort of pulled, tore some muscles a, a, a number of years ago. And I've been to see my doctor a couple of times, so before I put the gown on, we all begin to diagnose. So I have been to the doctor a couple of times, need to see perhaps another doctor, but um, I continue to... I continued to play soccer, and um, I played Sunday afternoon, and I felt great until about sort of Wednesday or so, and then this, these muscles have been flaring up again, and, um, and Paul has been very helpful um, in all of this. He says, well, you know, you know really at your age, um, and you know, and you don't do this during the week, and you really should be doing. So anyway, um, it's kind of like Job's wife. Um, you know, Paul has been very sort of helpful and very supportive um, in all of this, but in thinking about all this... The, the title of today's class is, you know, Where Shall Wisdom Be Found? And I think we can answer it, not in me. Um, so that's one of the things that we know, because as I say, it's kind of one of those. And I've, I could talk about this a great deal. Um, I mean, you do have the realization that, that things have changed, um, not only just sort of uh, with, with as, as the decades progress, but just, you know, lack of, lack of training um, and sort of fitness regimen and things of that sort, but, but continually, one of the things, and this is a class for another day, but there's what I call the Brett Favre syndrome. Um, I've mentioned this before, and perhaps y'all are aware of the Brett Favre syndrome, because it, it's not just endemic to athletes, it's, it's across the board. And that's the belief in, you know, you go out and you, for instance, you have a soccer game and you play, and, you know, you'll have a bad game, but then you'll have a good game. Um, and, and you'll have a good game, and you know what, you'll be convinced, even though you know better, I've got one more run in me. Um, you know what? If I just if I just buckle down and focus a little more, I, I've got I've got one more run. So anyway, if you're noticing my my strut, um, it's a limp, um, and so yeah, please uh, please disregard that as we um, get into today. Uh, where shall wisdom um, and joy be found? And as we uh, ask that question and reflect on it, let me offer a prayer as we begin. Uh, most gracious and ever-living God, as always, we give you great thanks and praise that you've enabled us to come together this morning, uh, that, in fact, you have drawn us, and that as you've drawn us, you're both uh, the good shepherd who is with us and going before us, um, but you're also uh, the rock and stronghold for our lives, the sure and certain place. Uh, Lord, ground us uh, in you uh, as you guide us through this life, that we might find our hope and joy uh, our wisdom uh, and meaning in you alone. And this uh, I pray and this I ask now in the name of your Son, who is Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Well, a couple of stories to begin with. We're going to look at today just sort of those questions. Where, um, where shall wisdom be found? Where shall, uh, where shall joy um, be found? Things that I think we certainly look for and long for in this life. But uh, by way of a couple of disclaimers um, as we begin... For starters, this isn't the disclaimer, but, but where that title comes from is Job 28.12, Where Shall Wisdom Be Found? It's, it's in many ways, Job 28 is, is the midpoint um, for the book as, as Job has endured um, these various trials. And before we come to, in chapter 38, what is sometimes referred to in, in theological circles as the shut your mouth um, section uh, as, as Job comes before, um, before God... Job's day in court finally comes, and he finally gets to step before God. And in essence, God says, and, and we'll talk a little bit about this, but perhaps you remember, Job, were you there 
Um, Job, were you there when I, when I stretched out the oceans and told them um, no further? Job, uh, how about the Leviathan? Um, can you put your hand on the Leviathan? Hey, guess what? I, I created it just to play fetch with it, um, just, just for fun. Um, look at the ostrich. It's a crazy bird. I made it because it cracks me up. Um, God basically says, you know what, Job, were you, were you there? Can your wisdom begin to match um, my wisdom? But Job sort of comes to this realization, where shall wisdom be found? And one of the great things we see throughout Job is, um, I'm getting a little bit ahead of it at the same time, one of the great things in, in Job is, is this, is I really think uh, that in Job, uh, we can certainly see ourselves and find ourselves uh, in Job, not that we've necessarily um, suffered to the extent um, that Job has suffered, but the reality is is that everyone has experienced it in their lives, and, and the reality is we're all going to experience it um, again. But but we see in Job uh, a person who is simultaneously uh, tremendously faithful uh, and also tremendously brittle. Uh, we, we find him one moment um, strong and certain in his faith, and in, in the first two chapters, the, the prologue of Job in those first two chapters, Job is, he's exemplary um, in, in his faith when, when calamity falls upon him. And he says, basically, you know, should we accept good from God uh, only and, and, and not uh, from evil? The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord, Job says at the beginning. But then as we find Job um, in the middle, he's an entirely different person. Uh, and, it's, and it's in some ways kind of going um, back and forth between um, tremendous uh, faith uh, in God and, and patience and perseverance. But then at other times, uh, he is uh, like uh, the psalmist often, just uh, railing um, against God um, as well. We, we see a man of, of tremendous faith, but we also find him a person who is, is exasperated and struggling uh, and falling short as well. We see all of those different things going on um, in Job. But a couple of disclaimers um, before we begin. Uh, I went, um, I'm taking a course right now, an online course. Uh, once again, where should wisdom be found? It's not in taking online courses um, when you have um, sort of ongoing ministry and, and family, because the challenge with online courses, of course, is I'm getting to it. Um, and you know what? I'm, I'm getting to it. And then the assignments, um, you know, once again, this afternoon, I'll be, you know, writing some reflections, et cetera, to be turned in by 1159 um, this, this, this evening. Um, so one by way of disclaimer, I'm taking a course um, in Job now. And, and if you're anything like me, that initial, initially muddles me more um, than, it, than it clarifies me because it opens up sort of all sorts of things, which is all well and good. You know, we need ourselves um, unsettled a little bit from comfortable assumptions uh, and, and patterns um, in our lives, uh, you know, just sort of spouting the same sort of uh, cliches and bon mots. We, we need ourselves periodically rattled and unsettled a little bit. But, but anyway, um, as, I, as we reflect on Job this morning, let me just by way of disclaimer, uh, I'm taking, uh, I've been reflecting some in Job and in Philippians, which as I say, in, uh, initially in some ways brings up more questions than answers. And I'll tell you a, a brief sort of story by way of analogy. A buddy of mine years ago invited, to me, invited me to this golf clinic with Tom Watson and it was really, it was, a, it was a lot of fun, kind of a small um, deal. And, and he was a, you know, great guy, interesting guy. I really enjoyed uh, meeting him and listening to him. And, and he gave us, of course, as you might imagine, he was a pretty good golfer. Um, so he gave us, you know, he gave us some, he gave us some pretty good tips. Uh, and, and I really just sort of was, was drinking it in because I was, and still am, am fairly new to golf. So uh, I, needed, I needed tips. But 
Anyway, I went out shortly thereafter this clinic. You know, I was thinking about, you know, I need to put my feet right here, and I need to do my hips this way, and I need to do my wrists at this point, and I don't release and hold my mouth um, this way. And it was perhaps the worst round I'd ever played. Um, and, 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 and that's saying something, because um, there have been a lot of them. So that's really a significant thing. But the reason I, I share that with you, there were just so many thoughts going through my head that it was actually more counterproductive um, than, than productive. And so let's pray that this class is not that this morning. Uh, as we think about, uh, I invite you to reflect with me um, about um, where wisdom uh, and joy um, will be found. And uh, as we do that, I want to kind of, as, as a fairly uh, simple structure for you and for me as, as we reflect on this this morning, is kind of two questions. They're not the perfect questions, but it sort of helps frame our reflection this morning, and, and the sort of two categories are this, you know, where, the question is, where shall wisdom and joy be found? Uh, and the two categories are what gets in the way um, for us, what, what gets in the way uh, of our coming to um, this wisdom, what gets in the way of our coming to um, this joy, if that's our, you know, if we're looking for, longing for, hoping to um, receive and experience some of those things what is it um, that gets in the way? And, and we'll reflect on a few things. Obviously, not um, not an exhaustive list. Uh, and then the second category is is what do we need? Well, first, by way uh, of addressing that, um, Job falls in the category, and the Old Testament is you know, not perfectly, but but broken down um, into three sort of sections, three categories of of literature in the Old Testament. You have the law. Um, you have the, the law, and then you have uh, the prophets, and then you have the writings. Um, and within the writings, um, Job falls within the writings, and, and Job is considered uh, wisdom literature. Uh, Job's considered wisdom literature uh, akin to books like uh, Ecclesiastes, um, Song of Solomon, Proverbs, uh, you know, the, the Psalms. These things fall into, the, the Psalms not as much, but very definitely Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, Proverbs, um, fall into this um, section of wisdom literature. And what the Liz- wisdom literature seeks to do, not surprisingly, is uh, in some ways to apply faith to life. Um, so uh, we, we have these um, truths of God. We have these um, things of God. How do they then um, hopefully um, have an impact uh, in our lives? How do they bring wisdom um, to yours and my lives? That that longing which which we all have in that uh, these things would have uh, have an impact um, in our lives. Um, so that's Job falls within that uh, wisdom literature. Philippians obviously is one of the letters uh, of Paul um, to the churches. And one of the things that, as I think about these two together, Job obviously endures tremendous suffering. Uh, Job endures tremendous um, suffering, and you know obviously there's. Uh, one of the one of, and I think one of the true things about Job and one of the challenging things about Job is is this, and I, I think the honesty of Job, Job leaves us with a lot of questions. Um, even though there's uh, there is a resolution uh, of sorts um, at the end, uh, you you read Job and you, you don't come away with all of your questions answered. And in, and in fact, in some ways, Job presents a lot of questions um, to you and to me uh, as well, and and and, and the challenges. Of our faith, and, and by the way, also, um, it's kind of like my theme today is disclaimers. Um, I am a, I grew up a, a good Episcopalian, um, which means I didn't grow up a, a, 
good in my knowledge of the Bible. Uh, I hate to say, you know, I went to confirmation and um, even went to Episcopal schools, uh, etc. You know, I mean, if you needed the, you know, the seasonal colors of the church, I could knock that out of the park. Um, but, but a certain biblical literature was, was um, not present in my life. And I remember in college was really the time that I would consider, that college is the time I would consider my conversion. Again, I'd been baptized, I'd been confirmed, those, you know, I had loving parents and, and, you know, seeds of faith had been, had been planted in my life, but really until that point, I was kind of primarily, I don't know, you know, uh, a soccer player, uh, a this or that, but, but certainly, um, uh, certainly not, not a Christian, and, and college and, and the wonderful, um, sufferings and struggles and disasters uh, visited upon me during my time uh, in college was when I began to, for the first time, earnestly pray. Uh, for the first time, I began to actually genuinely um, read the Bible. Um, the time when I, when, you know, thanks be to God, where, where true wisdom is found ultimately is, is turning away from ourselves and turning to God. And that's, and even as I say that, that's easier said than done, isn't it? Um, even sometimes when we know um, that's what we need to be doing. It's, it's, we need the work of the Holy Spirit um, to begin to draw us away from ourselves uh, and seeking our own autonomy and seeking our own answers and seeking our own um, sufficiency. We need the work of the Holy Spirit to draw us away from ourselves and in turn begin to draw us to God. And, and, and thanks be to God. That's what God began to do um, during my time there um, at, at the Citadel. And I began to earnestly pray and to read the Bible um, for the first times, suffering and trials and challenges have the, uh, they, they can be a t- tremendous opportunity for us to be drawn to God, but they're not a guarantee, are they? Um, you know, obviously we see plenty of folks who go through times of trial and suffering and loss, uh, and, and God is able to wonderfully draw them to himself uh, during that, but, but, it's, but it's not a sort of patented formula that, that always works because we don't necessarily see the same happen um, in, in other situations. In fact, you know, faithful Christians over the years have debated um, the, the, the beneficiality of, of suffering, um, if you will. Gregory um, the Great, for instance, says, you know what? Um, we should be worried if we're not suffering. Um, basically said it's, uh, it's, it's the state of the Christian. Gregory said, look, uh, kind of akin to Jesus' words, you know, if, if they hated me first, they're going to hate you as well. Uh, Jesus' words, in this world, um, you'll have trouble. Take up your cross um, and, and follow me. Uh, Gregory um, the Great, who's really, whose thought still has an impact today, but for many years, for about a thousand years, uh, his way of sort of interpreting and understanding and applying the scriptures was the dominant um, way in, in the Christian community. Basically, you know, up to the time of the universities, Gregory the Great, um, his interpretation of, of scripture was the, was the primary uh, form, but but Gregory says basically, look, we need to be concerned if we're not suffering, um, because um, the, the the people of God suffer, and actually in suffering there's an opportunity therein, because suffering helps take away from you and from me the delusion that we're sufficient. Uh, it helps save us from getting trapped into too comfortable a lifestyle where we forget about God, where we forget about other people, where we begin to think, you know, I'm doing pretty well, must be because I'm a pretty good guy. Um, it, it must be because of me that things are going well. So Gregory said we need to be concerned if we're not suffering. And actually, suffering, the good thing is it gets us away from that delusion, draws us 
inward and then being drawn inward, we see our sin, we see our dependence of God, we then confess and in confession, God takes us to a place of freedom is in essence what Gregory um, says. But you have other faithful people like Aquinas who says, you know, that's wrong. Um, and, and here's the reason it's, it's wrong, because we're, we're sensible creatures. And what he means by sensible, not that we're sensible in the sense of we act rationally and wisely all the time, but sensible creatures in the sense of we have senses. Um, and, and when we hurt, um, it muddles our thinking. Uh, and when we hurt, we make bad decisions. Um, and so, you know, you have Aquinas would... So anyway, that's helping clarify right now, isn't it? Is that, are we better? Uh, are we better now? Long way of saying, um, this, is a, this, is a, this is a big topic, and, and faithful people, um, faithful people uh, disagree um, about this and disagree about uh, interpreting it. Um, but in, in Job, we very definitely see the, the, the sufferings and the challenges, but we also see it in Paul in his letter to the Philippians because, of course, one of the things that you probably know is that Philippians is one of the prison epistles. Uh, it's one of the epistles um, that Paul writes um, while he is suffering, while he is in prison. And yet, uh, it's, it's a letter which he writes, which is filled with, with tremendous joy uh, and, and rejoicing and, and thanksgiving. He's, he's very much, uh, and, and not, uh, not in any, not, not that I was there, uh, but, but seemingly not in any feigned way. Uh, it, it seems entirely genuine, um, his thanksgiving, his celebrating, um, his, his rejoicing. Uh, and so, uh, quick word, a sort of context in Job. You might not be intimately familiar with Job. Uh, I mentioned being in college when I really began to read the Bible one day. We were, we were on the team bus. We were coming back from a soccer game, and I was actually in the bus reading my Bible, and our assistant coach came by, and he said, what are you reading? I said, I'm reading Job. Um, and, uh, and, uh, so this, this may, you may find this disheartening that your clergy was reading job in college, but that's just, uh, that's, that's the truth. Uh, that's the true story there. And, and of course he began to mock me, um, about it's, it's Job, which is a really effective, uh, method of evangelism, uh, mockery. I'm like, well, you know what? I really feel closer to God than you now. Thank you. Um, uh, thank you. Thank, thank you for that. But, uh, you know, Job, uh, Job brings up uh, the question of, of, uh, of suffering we hear. And this is, again, this is kind of in some ways one of the problematic things of Job. As you remember, um, Satan, uh, there's God is meeting with the heavenly council uh, in the prologue. This is in 1 and 2. And God is meeting with the, God is meeting with the heavenly council and, um, uh, and Satan uh, comes the Hasatan, the, the accuser. Um, comes and, and basically uh, says, um, uh, says to God, um, God says, you know, where have you been? And he says, you know, I've been, I've been roaming to and fro um, all over. I, I've been all over the place, uh, in short, is uh, what the accuser, what Satan says um, to, to God in this. Um, and we begin by hearing at the very beginning there is this, uh, this man, Job, who was, uh, he was a righteous man. He was an upright man. He feared God, and he turned away uh, from evil, and he was tremendously uh, blessed as well. He was, he was very uh, fortunate. He was devout um, in the way that he would go about things. And so the Lord said to Satan, and I'm reading now directly from Job 1.7, the Lord said to Satan, from where have you come? Satan answered the Lord and said, from going to and fro on the earth and from walking up and down on it, 
And the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man who fears God and turns away from evil? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, does Job fear God for no reason? Have you not put a hedge around him and his house and all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands and his possessions have increased in the land. But stretch out your hand and touch all that he has and he will curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, behold, all that he has is in your hand. Only against him do not stretch out your hand. So Satan went out from the presence um, of the Lord. Well, here's one of the challenging and troubling things uh, about uh, the book of, of Job. Um, God uh, brings Job up. Uh, God, in essence, sort of offers him up um, in this in this conversation here. And Satan's accusation is, is simple. It's this. Job doesn't really fear you. Uh, Job doesn't really um, love you. The reason he fears him, loves you is because you've blessed him. Um, you know what? You've made him a wealthy man. You've given him a family. You've put this hedge of protection around him. That, that's that's why Job fears you. It's it's basically uh, it's self-serving uh, is, is why he fears you. But God, if you if you strike him, um, basically Satan is is accusing God. Uh, he's calling into question God's integrity. Uh, he's saying, God, you don't know what you're talking about. Um, this is the reason that Job is this way. But if you take all of these from things from him, then um, he will, in fact, um, curse you. Uh, he will curse you. And we hear that uh, Satan throws at Job um, calamities and, and loss, and Job does not curse um, God. And then Satan comes back and says, well, you know what? Um, you haven't let me strike Job, so you let me strike him personally, um, and then um, he will curse you. And so thus begins... Um, the whole story. Job goes through um, this time of the loss uh, of his, um, the loss of his prosperity, uh, the loss of his um, children. Um, his wife um, says to him, "Are you still holding on to your righteousness? Curse God and die." Um, that's encouragement. Um, so, in fact, it kind of, in some ways, sort of jokingly, you know, scholars and, and different people as they read the book, says, you know, well, what, what happens? You know, why does Satan, he's here in the first two chapters and then he disappears? And, and what the folks say was, it's kind of like screw tape letters. Um, well, Job's friends and his wife took over. Um, you know, they, it was no longer needed because then what happens, and perhaps um, you remember this, Job's three friends um, come. Uh, Job's three friends come from afar. They, you know, we, we assume they received word of Job's trials and his sufferings and Job's loss. Uh, and his friends come uh, from afar. His his three friends come, and as they come, we hear initially, um, they're 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 fantastic friends. They see a suffering, and what do they do? Um, they they come and they sit down on the ground with him. They 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 tear their robes. They put um, ashes on, and they sit with him. A little biblical trivia. Anybody remember how long? Uh, that's right. Ding ding ding. Seven days. Um, seven days. They they sit with Job. Uh, and, and they and they don't say a word. Um, they they just sit with him. And um, how many of us do you think would last that long? Um, uh, I mean, that's that's I mean, tremendous friends, tremendous um, devotion, that 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 love which which they share for seven days. That he sits there, and then um, well, and then they then the speeches begin, uh, and they begin to give Job advice. And in essence, what his friends say is. Um, you know, Job, uh, surely it's something you've done. 
because God wouldn't strike an innocent man. Um, it's, it's, it's something you've done. You know, what, what wrongdoing is in your life? What sin uh, have you not confessed? What, what are you doing? Surely it's because of something you've done um, that, you are, uh, that you are suffering this way. And as one of that category, one of the first challenges that, that we have um, in, uh, sometimes in our lives and sometimes uh, one of the challenges getting in the way of, of our joy and our wisdom is the well-meaning advice of friends and family. Um, sometimes that's one of the challenges and that's one of the things um, that gets in the way. And as I say, you know what? Um, we've been those well-meaning friends and family as well, ourselves as well. It's not just um, those people. Because you take Job's friend's speeches, if you pull them out of context, you know, they're really, they're, they really sound pretty wise. Um, they, they really sound um, pretty good. They really sound um, pretty true. And, and yet... Um, what they, uh, what they were doing was not um, actually helping um, the situation. And we see at the end that they, they're speaking with what they think is wisdom, um, but it's not. Um, I remember right after Jack was born, uh, Paul and I went home to see mom and dad. And, and uh, not only was it going to be mom and dad, and Jack was born November 28th, so we went home for Christmas. So, you know, he's basically not quite a month old yet. And... Um, Another story for another day, of course, our car broke down on the way home and, you know, this, that, and the other. And so it was good times um, with the smallies. Um, you want to travel with us. And, and so, um, but we do eventually get home. And it was funny because my, my mother was there, my sister and her children were there, my, uh, my aunt was there, both of my grandmothers were there. And, and poor Paula, I mean, God love her, um, coming along with me to, to be with my family. And her family lived in town, too. So before you think she's so altruistic. Um, so, uh, so anyway, we were going home and I remember some wise words that the dad said to Paul. He said, you know, he said, Paula, he said, you're going to get some advice while you're here. Um, and, and he said, he said, you know, you, you have to listen to it. He said, but you don't have to follow any of it. Um, so I thought, you know what? That was really wise and insightful on dad's part. It's like, look, you've got all these mothers around. You're going to get a little advice. Listen patiently and you can follow none of it. Um, you know, it's your, your call. Um, your call on that one. So one of the challenges, um, and I was going to show a video, and I, I don't know, something's, it, it wasn't popping up. Have you all seen the nail in the head video? Let me tell you this. Let me just tell you, it's better if you can see it. So go home and Google nail in the head. Um, it's, it's, you know, this whole sort of uh, funny thing about, you know, men, men and women and the different ways we communicate and what we're, what we're looking for. And it's this guy sitting there with his wife or his girlfriend, and she has this huge nail um, sticking out of her head. And she says, you know, I just, I just have this, this, I just am experiencing just, I'm, I have this pain and this, um, this pressure that I'm experiencing. And I, sometimes I just, I just worry, um, I just worry that it's always going to be there. And I just, you know, my, my anxiety is it's just never, I'm going to get any better. And this is just going to be my reality um, for the rest uh, of my life. And she says, you know, I've just got this constant throbbing. And she's like, you know, all my sweaters um, are, are picked, all of them. All my sweaters are picked. And he says, well, you know, he says, you know, you have a, uh, I think if we took this nail out of she says, you always try to fix things. Uh, I don't want you to fix things. I just want you to listen to me. If you would just listen to me. Um, and, and so he, so he just, you can see him. He's just sort of visibly, he's, he's, he's biting his lip as she goes on and she explains this you know, this, this concern and this pressure and this pain which he's experiencing. And he says, that must be really hard. Uh, and she's like, yes, um, thank you. Uh, so 
this whole idea of, of, of advice breaks down to some degree because obviously in that situation, she's like, she needs to hear, you've got a nail in your head. Uh, and if we took that nail out, things would be, things would actually be a lot better um, in your life. So not to say there's, there's never a time and an opportunity um, to give counsel um, and, to, uh, and to share uh, and, and, to, and to help uh, in situations. But what we see, uh, the challenge for you and for me sometimes, and, and, and wonderfully um, well-meaning, is, is we try to step in when, when people in our lives are, are experiencing suffering and trial uh, and loss uh, and grief. And the reality is we, we can't step in and fix that uh, as, as, much, um, as much as we would like to. And, and you all know um, when you've experienced those times of trials, you, you need um, your family and friends. Uh, you need your Christian community. Um, you, you, you long for them, and you very definitely have a need for them, but there's the reality that they can't step in and with a few words of wisdom um, fix um, the situation. Uh, what you need is their love. What you need is their presence. What you need is their, their ongoing counsel. You know, sometimes it's with words, but, but oftentimes it's with, without words. The, the, the folly um, of, of Job's friends uh, is, again, is, is it is a, it is a, it's a challenge is that they want to come in and they think, um, they think that they have wisdom uh, and they think that they have the right answers and that if Job will just listen to them, um, then a situation um, will be better. Um, so one thing there is we think about sort of practically one of the challenges, one of the things that gets in the way um, of our joy and our wisdom is, is, is believing um, that, that we have tremendous wisdom to offer. First, the beginning of 1 Corinthians, a uh, great portion, and perhaps you remember it as Paul um, talks about um, when, when we came to you, we didn't come with any particular human wisdom. Uh, we, did, we didn't come um, as, as people who are fabulously put together, uh, but, but we, we came to you uh, in weakness, um, deciding to know nothing among you but Jesus Christ and him crucified. In essence, um, Paul says, you know what, this, uh, this is what we have to offer you. This um, is what you really need. This uh, is, is the path and the means to, to wisdom um, and joy. Um, it's, it's through the knowledge uh, of Jesus Christ, the knowledge of his cross and his resurrection. It's not through human wisdom. It's, it's through what seemed like folly um, to the world, uh, what seemed like absolute folly to the world, what seemed like absolute loss, what seemed like absolute madness. Um, it's by this means, actually, um, that the wisdom of God, the joy of God, that the freedom of God um, comes into the world. The other challenge, um, another challenge I mentioned that kind of gets in our way is wanting all the answers uh, and, and basically wanting all the answers, um, wanting our day uh, in court. Uh, quickly, a buddy of mine, um, and, and definitely we see it in the book of Job, it doesn't offer um, all the answers, creates uh, a lot uh, of questions uh, in many ways. A buddy of mine years ago uh, had a situation. They were moving from Charleston back to Virginia, where he was from, the Shenandoah Valley, and they couldn't sell their house and, and thankfully ended up renting it uh, and uh, gets a call from the renters one day, the house has termites. Um, and uh, my buddy, wonderfully faithful guy, he and his wife for 16 years um, tried to have children to no avail. After 16 years, they had two sets of twins in two years. So, you know, talk about zero to 60. Um, so he was very flush financially at that time. Um, you know, he went from zero kids to four kids, um, you know, had moved, um, you know, had left had left his job. It was a great time to get that call. Um, and, he, and he called me and said, you know, Craig, 
he said, he said, I don't have the money. He said, I don't have the money to, to fix that. I don't have the money to, to, to fix my house. And he said, he said, also, he says, he said, I can't give, he said, I can't get a loan. Nobody's going to give me a loan. And even if someone gave me a loan, I, I couldn't service the debt. Um, so he was, uh, he was stuck. And as you might imagine, he began to go to, um, what, what any of us go to, you know what? I'm such a loser. Uh, I'm, I'm such a failure. I can't believe, uh, you know, I've, I've gotten my family, um, into this place. You know, this wouldn't have happened to someone else. Just all the, all the shame, all the condemnation, all of that, which begins to um, come upon us. And then it was funny. He said, you know, Craig, he said, he said after a while, he said, I kind of had my, my pity party fall. I said, then I began to pray. Um, and, and he said, as I began to pray, he said, he, he said I experienced a wonderful um, feeling uh, of, of peace. And, and this is the thing that I thought was so very wise. He says, what I, what I heard God say to me is, is this. God saying to him, I'll give you the next step. Uh, I'll give you the next step and, and wait for it because this is really profound. Um, the next step was to call the bank um, with his mortgage. But at the same time, we get so swirling um, that we, even, you know, it, it, and yeah, not shockingly, this was not the first time something like this had happened. And they're like, look, we, we want to work with you. You know, you lose, we lose if you default. We don't want you to default. We want to work with you on, on all this. But what I thought was so wise and so true what, what he heard as he began to pray to God, in addition to experiencing that peace, was God saying to him, you know what, I've been with you always. I'm not going to suddenly forsake you. Uh, I'm not going to, you're, yeah, you're going through a time of trial. Uh, and, it's, and it's challenging. And it was challenging for years. It wasn't something that sort of quickly resolved itself as he, as he worked through all that. And he, you know, went, you know, back and forth on, on the spectrum of times feeling joyful, peaceful, at times, you know, swinging back to how did I let this happen, um, all of this. But the tremendously wise thing about all that was that sense from God saying to him, you know what, don't worry about the end of the story. Don't worry about having all the answers. Don't worry about how it's all going to be resolved um, in the end. I'm not going to forsake you. I'm going to give you the next step. I'm going to lead you to the next step, and then I'm going to lead you to the next step. And I think that's a tremendous gift for him, for you, and for me, because otherwise we find ourselves in the dangerous place where we don't realize our dependence upon God, uh, and, and we thank ourselves sufficient in any and every situation. That's not to say God gives us gifts and talents. We, we heard about them um, this morning. Enables us to do um, plenty of things. Uh, but yet, ultimately, there's that peace, that joy, that wisdom, and that recognition of our dependence upon God, uh, our trust in Him, that, that He has all the answers even when we don't. Because particularly when, with what Job came through, with what Job went through, there, there weren't easy answers to that suffering and trial. You know, you and I are reading the book, so we have the meta-narrative, right? We're, we're looking at it from the bird's-eye view, looking down on it. Well, Job and his friends, they, they didn't have that bird's-eye view. Um, they, were, uh, they were in the middle of it. And just like you and me in our lives, often when we're going through those times, sometimes we can look back and we can see things clearly. Uh, and we can see things and the wonderful ways in which God unmistakably moved um, through that time. Sometimes, uh, you know... Sometimes less, but there's a saying, uh, which I think is a wonderful saying, remember in the dark what you learned in the light. Uh, remember in the dark uh, what you learned in the light. The, the holding fast to what we know of God, what's been revealed uh, of, of God um, in the light when we go through um, those challenging times. And the last thing I'll say about what gets in the way, and this is kind of... Um, this is kind of more in, in Philippians here. One of the other things that gets in the way of our joy and our wisdom, um, and this isn't really particularly uh, ab- about suffering as, as much as it is uh, one of the things that gets in the way of joy and wisdom, and that's comparisons. 
Um, do any of y'all ever compare yourselves to others? Um, thank goodness you don't. Um, it's, uh, that's wonderful that that's not, that that's not present here. Um, the ways in which we, we compare ourselves um, to other people and, and then, you know, for the most part, end up in one of two places. Either we're proud. Um, I'm so thankful that I'm better than him. Uh, I'm so thankful that I'm better than her. Or we find ourselves despondent. Um, you know what? There's no way I can ever be as good um, as, as, as he is, as, uh, as, as she is. Or, you know, maybe, maybe option C is, and this, then we begin to sort of strive and, you know, strive and, you know, continually compare ourselves to the other person and try to, you know, try to measure up to them, try to um, surpass them. One of the things that gets very much in the way uh, of, of our joy and, and our wisdom is our comparing ourselves to others. One of the wonderful things in Philippians, if y'all remember, there's in Philippians, Paul uh, begins to talk about how uh, he now considers rubbish all the things that he previously prided himself on. And if, if you remember, Paul, it's kind of like Paul's who's who. Um, he says, you know, these are this is you know this is where I went to school. These are my accomplishments. This is my this is my family. Um, these are all the fabulous things, uh, all the fabulous things about me. And I'll just kind of uh, uh, read it, uh, read it to you uh, briefly as as Paul uh, da, 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 as Paul talks about it. You know, it's really hard to find. I mean, there are four chapters um, in Philippians, um, and so um, uh, yeah, very. <laughs> Very, but it's also, um, and this as well, that he that he begins with um, setting the example of of Jesus, um, setting the example of Jesus and and his humility, and having that being the model um, for us. It's in Philippians three that that Paul talks about um, himself, and he says um, he says, you know, basically though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh. Um, he says I have more. I was circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel. Of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but having that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God um, that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain um, the resurrection of the dead. You know, Paul experienced the tremendous freedom, found the joy and found the wisdom in not counting um, his accomplishments uh, as as the means of his righteousness, as the means of his meaning, as the means of his joy, but but counting the accomplishment of God in Jesus Christ uh, as the source of his meaning, as the source of his joy, as the source um, of his wisdom. Because if we don't, uh, on in a practical way, as time goes on, as people don't appreciate what we think is important, or as those things that we previously pride ourselves begin to slip away from us, uh, as time goes on, we find ourselves despondent. Uh, but instead, we have something um, much greater um, given to you and to me. So what do we need? We need a lot. Um, but um, we also need to conclude the class in time for the 11 o'clock service. Um, so a little, bit about, uh, a little bit about what we need. And ultimately, one of the things that we see, um, uh, these are, these are, these, some of these are, are definite, some of these are my thoughts. So you can, 
the ones that are definite and scriptural, take those. The ones that are my thoughts, eh, sift them. Take them, uh, leave them. There might be some good in there. Um, there's not intentional static, uh, but there may be static. So what's truth and light keep? Uh, well, one, ultimately what we need, um, uh, we need, we need to be wrapped up um, in the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Um, that's ultimately what we need to be wrapped up in. And, and in Job, you know, Job, obviously we have a preview uh, in many ways uh, of, of Jesus. Job, we're told, uh, is a righteous man. He's, he's blameless, not blameless in the sense that he's without sin, but blameless in the sense of he was a faithful guy. Uh, he was a faithful guy that, that genuinely um, followed God. He was, you know, as far as people go, he was, he was right up there at the top. Job was a righteous man. He was a blameless man. He was an honest um, man, uh, a caring man, and yet um, he, he suffered um, these tremendous um, things, these, these calamities were, were visited um, upon him, and yet he remained faithful um, through all of these, and, but, but faithful to a point uh, in the human terms, because again, wonderfully, Job is a person like you and me. Uh, at, at times, he was a lot more faithful than other times, sometimes very strong, sometimes very brittle, but even when most brittle, holding on, uh, holding on to God um, throughout all of that, even at the times in which um, he railed against God. But again, very much uh, a preview. And what, what Job hopes for and longs for, Paul has actually seen. Paul has actually seen Jesus crucified uh, and risen. And, and this is his wisdom. This is his strength. Because ultimately, one of the things that we see, and I, and I really lift this up to you, one of the things I think that we see in both Job and Philippians, and something which is a real offering for you and for me, is a perspective um, and, and something we deeply need. We deeply need um, a, a perspective that will, that will guide us through um, all the various um, times in our lives. One of my favorite portions in all the scripture is in Philippians 4. And in this, Paul says, he thanks the Philippians, says, you know what, I'm really, really grateful that you've renewed your concern for me, that you sent me um, this gift. Because, um, you know, yes, yes, I needed it, and I appreciate that, but at the same time, I mean, what I'm most grateful for is your partnership in the gospel, um, that experiencing your love for me in the way um, that, that I have love for you as well. The, the encouragement which you sent to me means a, a tremendous amount to me. But he, but he says these words, he says, um, he says, I know what it is to be in plenty, and I, and I know what it is to be in one. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether in plenty um, or in one. I can do all things through Christ um, who strengthens me. That, that biblical contentment, and, and, and part of that is, by the way, as I say, perspective as well, because basically what, what, what Paul's saying is I have perspective. When things are going well, I don't get too carried away in thinking, you know what, it's me. Um, it's because I'm so fabulous that, that things are going well. And when things are going well, I, I'm, I'm grateful, but I realize it may not last, uh, not in any sort of fatalistic way, but it's like, you know what, when things are going well, I know what it is to be in plenty, and I'm, and I'm grateful, and I realize I'm the source of that. And I also know what it is to be in want um, when things um, are not going well, when things are coming um, undone. And I have this gift of this perspective that my stability and that my worth and that my meaning are not in that which, which comes and goes. My stability and meaning um, are ultimately in God. So ultimately what we need to do is we need to be wrapped up in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ by which um, we're reconciled to God. Quickly, if you look in our church, uh, in the back there's the baptismal font. You know, we have the baptistry in the back. Historically, in a lot of the older churches, the, the baptismal font 
seemingly out of place. It's in the back of the church rather than in the front of the church. And you all probably are familiar with the significance of that. Or, you know, when I say that, why would you be? Um, you may not be at all familiar with that. Maybe you are, maybe you aren't. Regardless, the significance of that is this. Baptism is our entrance into the body of Christ. So thus you see in some of the churches like the baptism, it's in the back of the church. Why? How do we enter into the body of Christ? Through the death and resurrection of Jesus. By going down into the waters, identifying with Jesus in his death, by being raised up as a new creation. It's by the work of God um, that we come into the church. It's by the work of God and his death and resurrection that you and I are forgiven, that you and I are washed, that you and I are restored in our relationship with God, that, that we're marked um, as his, that we might be people who are hopeful. Let me, a couple, just real quick, another thing I would say that we see in the book of Job, and this is something I throw out, you can agree or disagree. One of the things I, I think the path to um, joy and, and wisdom is, is grappling with God. Grappling with God. One of the things we see in, in, in Job, and we definitely see it in the Psalms, for instance, as well, is, you know, God's big enough um, for us to, and we, we see Job grappling with God. You know what, God, I want my day in court. Uh, I, I feel like this isn't right. This isn't the way that things um, should be happening um, right now. This is, this is wrong, um, God, and are, are you paying attention? Um, you know, is this, uh, and again, Job also holds up the necessity for the fear of the Lord, uh, but at the same time, one of the things we see, and I think the Old Testament holds this up to us again and again, the people really grappling with God. And I think the path to joy, the path um, to wisdom, the path to relationship, basically loving God enough um, to be honest with him uh, in any relationship. And the relationships that you hold here, let me ask the people you have, do you ever fight with them? Um, do, you ever, do you ever get a little hot under the collar um, in, in, your, in your interaction, in your relation with them? I'm not, you know, saying, go be blasphemous. Um, that's not the rallying cry. But God is certainly big enough for us to grapple with him. And I think we come um, to a wonderful joy and peace and perspective. Let me lastly um, say this. There's more I had to say, um, but, but God loves you, and so I've run out of time. Um, so let me just sort of conclude um, by, by saying this. In many ways, again, um, Job, Job, a preview pointing toward um, what we ultimately see um, and experience. Job suffers to a point, but not to the point of death. But he's a preview of the one who will come uh, and the one who, in fact, did come. And why Paul was able to be filled with joy and filled with wisdom and filled with peace that didn't come from himself, but came came from God. Because obviously he points to the sinless one, the one who is truly, genuinely um, innocent, the one who is truly um, genuinely righteous, um, who came into the world to suffer on our behalf to redeem um, our suffering and actually um, to put an end to it finally and ultimately. That, that any trial, any suffering, the things that we endure in this life are, are temporary and not worth being compare, compared, as Paul would say, to the glory um, that will be revealed. Ultimately, we don't have all the answers. There's so much we don't get. There's so much we don't understand. There's so much that's not neatly wrapped up. But what we do see in Jesus is that God will, one, ultimately overcome it, and that, two, God will ultimately redeem it. Um, in his time and in his fashion, Job, at the end of it, doesn't get all the answers, but he receives a vision of God, uh, and that is sufficient. Uh, and Paul, likewise, receives that vision of God that you and I receive, a God who comes forth into the world, who is crucified and risen, who takes human suffering into himself that it might be defeated, that it might be redeemed, that you and I might have that light to hold on to uh, in our lives. Uh, And as I say that, let us pray. Father, thank you that you come forth into the world in the gift of Jesus, your Son, that you've overcome the power of sin and death uh, and and suffering and 
all the questions and trials and struggles of this life, that our reality might be one of being loved, uh, being chosen by you, being accepted by you, being redeemed by you. Lord, fill us with the joy and the wisdom found in your cross and resurrection. Enable that to be our perspective, that we might be strengthened and guided in this life by that. And this we ask in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen.